We're going to go tonight to the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 2, and uh, I'm going to make an odd request to you tonight. Um, I desire your prayers over the next several days. I'm in a season right now where uh, my travel schedule is chaotic. It's usually not quite this bad, but God is doing some specific things that I felt led in the Holy Ghost to say yes to, and uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be moving around the country quite a bit, and uh, I believe that there are some strategic things that God is doing, and there's no place I'd rather be than, than right at home, and it's certainly easier to be home than it is sitting in airports all day and um, flying around in stuffy tubes with smelly people coughing and hacking. And, but um, God's doing something special. And I'm going to ask you tonight as your pastor that you would be faithful and keep the fires of revival burning. Keep, keep things moving in the Holy Ghost. And I'm asking you to pray for me every day that God would, would give me the wisdom and the strength that I need uh, Pastor, why do you feel such pressure to do that? Because Jesus is coming. He's coming. And we don't have time to just sit back and relax. Forgive me for sounding so brash, but we don't have time to relax while the world goes to hell. They need to know the love of Jesus. Amen. They need to know the love of Jesus. And uh, we have a great team here. I'm not worried about it. I just, I want the Lord to use us. I feel, uh, I feel emotional when I start talking about it, but there's something stirring in the earth right now. And uh, I appreciate you being willing to share your pastor, and uh, I'm very grateful for that opportunity. But if you promise that you'll call my name before the Lord and my wife, would you let me see your hand? Will you pray for me? How many of you ever believe God's doing something special right now? Amen. Amen. I just ask the Lord to keep us healthy and strong, and, and uh, we're going to see great things happen. Amen. The second book of the Kings, if you would, please, in the second chapter. This is the time it said it came to pass when the Lord would take Elijah up into heaven by a whirlwind. That Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal, and Elijah said to Elisha, stay right here, I pray you. For the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, I love this. He said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I'm not leaving you. He said, I'm not going anywhere. I didn't, this, is, this little phrase right here, if I could paraphrase it and tell you what he's really saying. He's saying, I didn't start to quit. When you, when you, threw, that, when you threw that mantle over me while I was behind the plow... Something got on me, and when I kissed my mother and daddy goodbye and burned the cows and the plows and the, the started following after you, I didn't start to quit. He said, I'm not, I'm not going to leave you. Wherever you're going, I'm going. So they, everybody say they. They went down to Bethel, and the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Do you know that the Lord will take away thy master from your head this day? And he said, Yeah, I know it. Hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. What did he say? He said, as the Lord liveth and as I soul liveth, I did not start to quit. I'm not going to leave you. So they, everybody say they. They came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said, Knowest not thou that uh, knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? He answered and said, Yeah, I know it. Hold your peace. Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. He said, As the Lord liveth and as I soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went, and they stood to watch afar off. They stood, they too stood by Jordan, and Elijah took his mantle. Wrapped it together, smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over 
dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. This is powerful. It's not what I'm preaching tonight, but it's so powerful for a younger generation to keep themselves connected to the old path until the old prophet's gone. It came to pass, they still went on and talked that. Behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. And he took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And he went back and he stood by the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And he smote the waters and he said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters... They parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. This is a powerful story. I wish I could have maybe read a little bit shorter to you, but to get the context of this, you need to understand that this is two generations joining together, a prophetic destiny. And he walked with the old prophet as long as he could walk with him until the Bible said the Lord literally parted the two of them. That God sent a chariot down and split the two of them away from each other. And when he did, at that moment, Elijah was caught up into the heavens. It was, uh, it was a pre-rapture. It was a sign of, of the rapture for the church, this prophetic man being raised. And so now we've got a generation that has seen the power of God move and work standing on this side of Jordan. And he needs to get back across because he said, I can't stay here. I want to preach to this church tonight. We can't stay here. We can't stay here. Amen. Let us call on the name of the Lord together. Great God. We need you tonight. God, we have sought you. We have prayed. Lord, we've fasted. We need you. I believe that there is prophetic destiny resting on this congregation tonight. I need you, holy God, to move in a mighty way, to work in this room. I feel you close. I feel you close, God. I ask in Jesus' name that angels would walk up and down the aisles of this church tonight. God, that the prophetic word that has been in the womb of this church would be born tonight, that it would begin to be released in this house in a greater measure than we have ever known or ever seen. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let the church of the living God shout amen tonight. Amen. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord with all your might? Woo! We praise you, God. We praise you, God. Amen. Tell your neighbor tonight, we can't stay here. We can't stay here. You may be seated in Jesus' mighty name. I'm going to do my best tonight to preach to you what I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart. This is, uh, this is such an amazing story to me of how this worked and how the call of God came. It was that moment, that divine intersection in time when Elijah, the prophet of God, came walking by a, a young man who was not standing idly by. I, I think this is, uh, if I had time to, to do any teaching on this on Wednesday night, I would teach to you a little bit for, for young people that want to be used of God. Mantles don't usually fall on people that are lazy. 
Bible said that he was working in the field of his father. When the Lord sent him down to Elisha, the Lord sent Elijah down to him. And the Bible said that he took the mantle off and he threw it across the body of Elisha. And when he did, there was something weighty about that mantle that was more than just a garment. I wish so bad that we could get a picture of the way this works. And I, I know what I risk when I tell stories like this because people think that you're crazy and you're a looney tune and you're out there. But you know what? Let them say what they want to say. It makes me sad to think about how many elders and men of God, ladies of God, are laying in the ground tonight and their mantles died with them because there was nobody that could take the mantle. There have been people of faith that have never preached before thousands of, of people. They, they, they've, they've never preached at conferences and camp meetings, but they're people of faith. And they were people of zeal and people that loved God. They, they weren't people that were in the spotlight, but they were people that loved the Lord. And... Uh, just as my wife and I, right before we got married, uh, Brother Edward Murth passed away. He was such a faithful man of God in this church. Brother Murth never preached a sermon, never, had, never got married, never had children. He was just a man of faith. And if you were in this church when, you, uh, when he was here, you know what I'm saying. He was as faithful as clockwork. It wasn't it, like you didn't ever have to wonder if he was going to be there on midweek or he wasn't. If he was going to be there at prayer meeting, he, just, he was just there. Every service, he sat on the right front pew, uh, the right from my right on the platform. And uh, if there was testimony service, he was going to testify. And if there was music, he was going to dance. And if you sang, uh, the blood will never lose its power, you could guarantee he was going to reach to the highest mountain. And it was going to flow to the lowest valley. It was the way he was. He was a man of simple faith. But he was a man of great faith. And when he died, my heart was so broken because he had no sons, he had no daughters, he had no family. He had no body, but I was in prayer one day, and I, I, I knew that the man had such great faith until the day that he died. And I went out to the cemetery where we had buried him, and call me weird if you want to, that's fine. But I went out to the cemetery where we had buried him, and I got down and began to pray at the cemetery. And I said, God, this man was a man of faith, and we may have put his earthly body down in this grave. But God, I don't want the mantle of this man's faith to die with him. I said, God, if there's any way that you can impart to me the faith that was in... Well, Pastor, I think that's weird. You're, you're getting into some weird stuff. Listen, I'm telling you right now, we, we, we've got to understand that this old generation has something we can't afford to lose. This, this old generation that went before us, I, I would hate to think of the mighty men of God tonight that are laying in the old cold ground and there are young men standing around waiting on empty pulpits to open up and waiting on somebody to hand them a church that's got a big checking account and, and they can drive a nice car and live in a nice house. But there's mantles that are laying on the ground of people that had faith. It may have been simple faith, maybe an old country preacher, but they saw the lame walk and they saw the blind see and they saw the deaf ears opened up. I'm telling you, if God would do it for them, I believe that God would do do it for us. It is incumbent upon us tonight that the elders of this church are forever and always pouring into the next generation. Listen, I, I want to tell you tonight, I don't ever get tired of hearing your stories. I don't ever get tired of hearing about your victories. I don't ever get tired of hearing what it felt like when you stood at an old-fashioned altar and you gave your life to the Lord and repented of your sin. I don't get tired of it. I've, I've watched, I've watched through the years as people died and I, and I thought, Lord, just the thought that their voice, their voice has been silenced in the earth. Like we'll never, we'll never hear them again. We'll never hear their voice on this side again. We'll never, we'll never hear them preach again. But you're looking at a man that believes tonight that every experience that they have been through rests in the mantle that was on them. I believe that. I believe that every victory they fought, 
uh, every, every battle they fought and victory they won was in that mantle that they wore. I believe that. I believe it was on them. And that's why we've got a generation of young men filling pulpits that don't want to pay the price. It's because they're willing to sell things. They don't have a mantle resting on them. They had the price that was paid. On. Listen, I'm telling you, there is no sense in us having to fight resurrected giants that our elders have already defeated through the years. There's no reason for us to have to fight things that they've already fought and won. I'm looking at a generation tonight that we've had the way paved for us. They've gone before us and fought battles that we should never have to fight. I pray to God that old-fashioned mantles will start resting on this generation and we'll get hungry for the things that they hungered for. I, I feel like God is calling us to a place tonight, if I may say this, to, to a place that we've never been before. I don't believe God wants to take us back to just some old, old meetings and, and, and old historical moments. But I do believe that in order for us to walk into the place and the measure that God wants for us to go, we have to understand what it took for the old path, the old church the old elders to get where they got. And I want to tell you tonight, they didn't have revival scrolling through Facebook all day. And they didn't have revival staring at their phones all day. And they didn't have revival staring at a television all day. They got together and said, I'm hungry for God. And I'll do whatever I've got to do to have a move of God. Hey, listen, I'm tired of talking about revival. I'm ready to have revival. I'm there's something that's got to get on us that we're tired of talking about it and we're ready to do whatever we've got to do to have it. Something, something has to happen. Something's got to transpire in us and I believe, I believe that God is calling us to this place right now. I, I really sincerely believe this. I can't remember if it was Sunday night, it may have been Sunday morning that I mentioned this. That I was in church uh, last weekend with Brother Jordan in Frankfurt. And he said to me, he said, bro, I'm so tired of having church against the clock. He said, I'm so tired of, of coming to the house of God and having to be worried about what time we're going to get out. Listen. I grew up, and I'm not old by any means, but I grew up in a time when we had revival, and we would have revival a lot of times, Monday night through Sunday night. We'd have revival seven nights a week, and we would have revival during the school year when kids had to get up and go to school the next day. But we would linger in the presence of God, and we would stay in the altars, and we would dance and shout. I fear for a generation that does not know what it feels like to wake up on a church pew because their mother and their daddy are so wrapped up in the presence of God. Hey, I'm telling you, God will take care of our kids. Don't worry about them having school tomorrow. I'd rather be in a hot, burning revival atmosphere. I know, I know people think, yeah, you, you, you guys, you know, man, you're, you're a pastor, so you're just kind of fanatical about it and not everybody can feel the way you feel about it. Listen, when we all start feeling the same way about it, we're going to see it happen. That's the way it happened on the day of Pentecost. There wasn't one guy in the room that God, I know Peter preached in the streets or answered questions in the streets, but God didn't let Peter get fired up in the upper room and then everybody else catch on fire. The Bible said that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all. Somebody shout all. all. You know what I've been praying for God to do? And if you're uncomfortable, I'm sorry. I'll take the blame for it. But I've been praying to God that he would get you so uncomfortable in your nest. I've been asking God that you would get uncomfortable. That you wouldn't be able to just lay around and sleep through the night when the Spirit of God is pulling on you. Saying, come a little higher. Oh, it's so good to see pastor on fire. I don't want to be on fire. I want us to be on fire. I want this city to be on fire. I want a, I want a move of God that no man can get the glory for.
I, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I, Bishop and I went to Panera today and I sat with Brother Frank, came by our table. He started talking about the 1970s movement that God did here, and I'll give you the short version of the story. But he and another man started having prayer meetings in their home. And he said, he said that they would go down the basement of his house and they would seek God, they would pray. It would start at 7 o'clock. And in the basement of his home, he said on a cold, wintry night, all their neighbors were getting frustrated because there were so many cars outside their house. And he said that on a cold, wintry night, there were 65 people in the basement of his house. And he said it started at 7 o'clock. And they prayed until after midnight. Folks. There ain't nobody that likes having church any more than I do. But the move of God that we're looking for is not going to be contained to the four walls of this church. Something is going to have to set on fire in our houses. Some, oh God. Something's going to have to get us at home. We're going to, oh Jesus, help me tonight. We're going to have to rise up out of mediocrity, waiting on somebody else to get the vision. We've got to have revival. Gotta have it. I remember when I came home in 2000, January of 2000, I felt like when it came to ministry, I was dumb as a box of rocks. I'd been youth pastor for three months in uh, Mississippi when our youth pastor left here. And uh, my dad called me one night and he said, Son, if you wanna come home tonight, you were voted in unanimously to come home. And be our youth pastor. And so I, I finished out my schedule and I came home in January of 2000. so hard for me to believe that it's been 23 years ago that I came back home. But when I went to Mississippi, I, didn't know, I really didn't know what to do. I, I wasn't like, I'd been preaching since I was a kid, but I didn't, I didn't really know what else to do. I'd seen my mother and dad pray their way through revivals all my life. It's, it's, it's all I knew was just... If you don't know what else to do, just go to the church and pray and beat the floor until God does something, you know. And so I, I got to the church in Mississippi, and uh, man, I was nervous. I was a kid. And uh, they brought me in that first Wednesday night, and I thought, oh, dear Jesus, what have I done, you know. And I, I walked into the little fellowship hall area, and there was 12 kids in there. And uh, they were like, hey, this is this Brother Luke St. Clair, and he's going to be working with you guys, and uh, we're so glad that he's here, Brother St. Clair. Uh, come up and talk to him. And I'm like, well, I'm so full of infinite wisdom at this age. I'm, I'm about to astound you, you know. And I was like, look, hey, we're just going to get to know each other and we're going to have fun. I'm walking around. They, I had my own house. Little old kid, you know, put me in my own three-bedroom house uh, there at, behind the church in the parsonage. And I'm like, what am I doing? I, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Like, I'm. I'm outmatched right here. I don't, I don't know. And I went over to the church. And off the side of the platform, there was a room that had been a storage room. It was just an old storage room. There was all kinds of stuff in there. And, and uh, I thought, well, if nothing else will work, I can't preach good enough. And I can't, I, can't, I can't play music good enough right now. I don't know what else to do. So I'm, I'm going to get these kids to praying. And so this was, this was in 1999, uh, September of 1999. And uh, I went to the pastor and I said, hey, would it be all right with you if, if I just cleared out that little room that's over there off the side of the platform? And uh, could I turn that into a youth prayer room before church? He said, sure, I don't mind at all. I, hey, that's fine, whatever you want to do. And so me and those 12 young people went in there and started praying that week before every service. We got in there and started praying in that little old prayer room and the Holy Ghost started moving. And in three months in the three months that I was there before I left, we had over 35, 38, I think it was, young people uh, in that prayer room praying with us every service. Well, then the kids started coming out of the prayer room on fire and things started happening in their lives and their mom and dad started getting uncomfortable and they were like, oh my goodness, what has happened to our kids? What are you preaching? What are you teaching? I said, I'm not doing anything. They're just praying. And their moms and dads started coming into that little prayer room and there were several Sunday nights that we'd go into that prayer room and we'd start praying and, and the Holy Ghost would start moving and they'd come walking out of that prayer room drunk and we would never even 
start church. Listen, I'm talking about prayer. So I came home in January of 2000 and I didn't know what else to do. So I told Bishop, I said, Dad, I'm going to start taking the young people downstairs. I figured if it worked in Mississippi, surely it would work here. And our youth choir started going downstairs in the basement before church every service and we would pray and we would seek God and some of you that were here will remember the Sunday nights that our young people were so drunk in the Holy Ghost that they were stumbling up the stairs and holding on to the wall just trying to get to the sanctuary because the power of God had fallen. I want to tell you the same thing that got us here is the same thing that's going to get us where we need to go. There is nothing more powerful than prayer. There is nothing more powerful than God's people praying in the Holy Ghost. God started moving, started working. And uh, we built this new sanctuary and we made up our minds. We're always going to have a place to pray. And I I may get this a little bit wrong. Uh, I'm going to try to get pretty close. But Brother Vasquez came to my mother been many years ago now and he said that he had had a dream about uh, our prayer room in this church and he told her he said that's going to be uh, not verbatim but he said that's that's going to be the birthing room of what God is going to do in this church I know a lot of people look at it and say oh man thank God for good music and uh, you know it's, it's going to be fiery hot preaching that's going to bring people and I mean no pressure on pastor at all you know but you better bring it sucker you know, and but but listen, I want to tell you what's going to make it happen. Listen, it makes it so much easier for the preacher to preach and the musicians to play and the singers to sing when the atmosphere has been set in prayer. I, I know there's a lot of people that would rather just pray in the sanctuary uh, in their churches, and that's fine. Let, you know, they can do whatever they want to do. That's their prerogative. They may not have the square footage to have a prayer room. But the reason why we have a prayer room in this church is because we're not, we're not in here while people are coming and going and all kinds of chaos and things happening and people running around chatting. Listen, we've got a place set aside that we can go touch heaven before church starts. Could you imagine what would happen every single service? What kind of revival could break out in this church if there was standing room only in the prayer room and people were being filled with the Holy Ghost before the first note was ever played and people were slain in the spirit. Hey, I'm talking about carrying your children out of the prayer room drunk in the Holy Ghost. We need an old-fashioned move of God and it only comes by prayer. That's it. I know it's hard when we're hustling to get to church. Man, I I feel like sometimes, and this is, you know, this is my full-time job. It's where I work. I do other things. But I feel like sometimes I'm tying my tie on the way through the door. But when I come, I, you have to understand how I was raised. When I was raised on the platform, if you played music or whatever, church started. Church didn't start for you at church time. Bishop would look at the musicians and say, Times church starts six o'clock. No, church starts for you at five thirty. Yes, sir. We go pray, and we seek God. Can I preach to y'all? And you love me tonight. We didn't do a lot of this. Want to hold every baby that comes walking by? Want to put our AirPods in? Cranking up the music? Oh boy, I've done, see, I done, I done lost y'all now. I was preaching good five minutes ago. I'm not going to lie, sometimes on Thursday nights I feel like we're at a track meet. I'm all about walking and praying. But sometimes it's like, how fast can we get around? How many, ta- how many laps can I get in on Thursday night? I don't care if, if you're here. I'd rather you be walking and be here than to not be here at all. I'm not throwing off, but I'm saying to you, something has got to, got to happen in us where we realize we don't think prayers. We think thoughts. We pray prayers. 
We meditate on the Lord in our minds, but we pray to the Lord with our mouth. Could you imagine when they asked Jesus, teach us to pray, if he would have said, okay, here's how you do it. Hey, James, bring me my AirPods. Jesus said, when you pray, pray after this manner and say, our Father which art in heaven. He said, it's got to come out of your mouth. you got to say something. Listen, I, I, I wish I had real good telepathy. That one old boy said, I think I got ESPN. Had ESP. He said, I think I got ESPN. But I don't have it. You know what? I know my wife loves me. But it feels different when she tells me she loves me. I know, I know that people love you, but it's different when they put their hand on you and say, I love you. It's one thing for us to say in our hearts how much we love God and how much we want revival. But there's a whole different response when we push everything else aside and we get down and say, God, we love you with all our hearts and we are so hungry for a move of God. Lord, whatever you want to do, don't do it without me. The only prayers he can't answer are the ones that we don't pray. I know I've slowed down here for a minute, but it's for a reason. I'm, I, I know, man, I know. I know it's uncomfortable. It gets us out of our flesh sometimes, you know. But man, I grew up. I was talking about Brother Mirth earlier. Man, I wish, I wish some of these kids could have met him, Brother King. I know people laughed. I did when I was a kid. I'd laugh at him. He was funny. He'd get hung up on certain syllables, you know. He'd get hung up on, on he's, he didn't always say hallelujah. He'd just say hallelujah. And he'd get hung up sometimes on the front row and he'd say, ha, 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 hallelujah. And Brother Bingham was preaching one night and Brother Mirth got hung up on the hallelujah and he said, ha, 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 hot dog. Man, when he did, my mother got carnal and she started laughing. And she got, you know how it is when you're not supposed to be laughing and, you're la and you can't quit laughing. And Brother Looper, we were trying to quit before Bishop Bingham looked over there because you know what that feels like. And it, he was preaching and what it, he looked over and he said, did I miss something? Is there something funny? Because I don't see anything funny. And I'm like, <laughs> he's up there trying to preach. I'm like, he said hot dog. He said hot dog. I'm going to tell you what I'm thankful for. I'm, I'm thankful that Brother Murth didn't come to prayer meeting on Thursday night and sit with his Walkman on. Can I take you all back to the 1980s at FPC? Can I do that? I'd come to prayer meeting and I'd, I'd hear him. He'd get in his cadence. I love you. I need you. Without you, I am nothing. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever and ever and ever. Almighty God, you are wonderful. I praise you, Lord. I need you, Lord. He'd get to fend and get hung. Ha, 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 hallelujah. And he'd get started and I'd go up to the front. Right where my office door is now. And Brother Gill would be laying up there across the altar, Sister Joyce. Your dad laid on that right side of the altar. And he wasn't, he wasn't crazy loud, but I'd, I'd lay up there and I'd hear him. He'd say, oh, God. He had that real high voice. He'd say, oh, God. Lord, give us revival. Lord, give us revival. Touch this church. He was our church treasurer before Brother McLean. And he'd pray, God, bless the people that give in this church. He'd open up his mouth and he'd pray. And, I, and I'd, I'd, I'd walk over there and I'd lay my head on Sister Bingham's lap. And I'd hear her call, oh, God, I pray for Gary and Mike James, Lord. I pray, God, for Mark Luper. Oh, God, touch Mark and Randy. Oh, God, touch them, Lord. And raise, I, I'd hear praying prayers and I'd get up and I'd go walk around with my granddad 
He'd have, them, he'd have them fists pumping back and forth. Oh, God, give us revival. Lord, give us a move. And I'd go, I'd go lay down in his office on Sundays before church. I'd go sit, I'd go sit in my papa's desk so I could hear Brother, Brother James praying through the wall. He was an old country uh, Kentucky man. And I'd, I'd hear him praying on the other side of that wall. Elvis, he'd put his lips together and he'd say, mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Anybody remember that? He, he lay down there in the orange shag carpet room. That room just smelled like orange shag carpet. <laughs> the men had a prayer room and the women had a prayer room. And I never went in the women's prayer room. We didn't do that back then. I, I'd, I'd sit up there and I'd put my ear up to, I'd put my ear up to the wall, cause I love to hear that old Kentucky man pray. Mm, Lord, give us revival. Oh, we need a mighty move of God. Oh, Lord, I pray for Pastor Bingham tonight. God, I pray, Lord, for this city. And man, he, oh, hallelujah. I wonder what some of these folks would do now if they come to prayer meeting. Our kids are watching SpongeBob on their phones. Come on, I came to preach on Wednesday night. I'd rather my kids know what it sounds like to be in an apostolic prayer room. There's something about an apostolic church that's on fire. You can't get that on Nickelodeon. You can't get that on Disney+. Plus. I want my kids to walk the aisles and hear the prayers of the saints. I can't even imagine Y'all just laugh if you want to. I know you may think I'm crazy. But I walked out there, cemetery, and I said, God, I thank you for the faith of my papa. I thank you, God, for every prayer that he's prayed. But when I drive by there, I know he ain't really there. But when I drive by there, I say, God, whatever he had, I want it. I'd hate to think, Brother Shaw, that Bishop Martin laid down in the ground and that mantle of apostolic revival just laid out there because nobody go get it. Nobody wanted to go get it. Nobody wanted to go pay the price for it. No. no. Oh, God. I went down, I went down the east side of Indy. I drove by the cemetery where Brother Haywood's buried. I said, God, you were filling people with the Holy Ghost so fast in his church that if people stood there and prayed for too long and what they said, tarrying, if they stood there tarrying too long in the Holy Ghost, some elder will walk down to them and say, you're not ready. Step out until you repent and you're ready. And the next person that'd step up would raise their hands and God would fill them with the Holy Ghost. There were so many people standing in the sanctuary during those meetings that if you took more than a couple minutes to get the Holy Ghost, they had you go back somewhere else and repent until you got ready. You know what? God's not done with those days. I'm going to tell you what I've been seeing in the Spirit. I've been seeing moves of God in this church that are so powerful that people are having to wait outside to get a seat to get in here. I've been seeing outpourings taking place in this church where people are standing on the walls and laying on the floor and weeping in the spirit and we got no phones and we've got no watches. We just want God. I've been saying God do it before the first notes played, before I preached the first word. 
I feel something stirring in my spirit. Folks, I'm at a place I've never been before in my life. I've never been where I'm at right now. I'm so hungry. I am so hungry for God to move in such a mighty way. Listen, I don't want the glory for what God's doing in this church. I could care less if anybody ever pins a rose on my chest. I'm not, I'm not here to be the man that led this church to revival. But if I can be the man that got you to get down on your face and seek God. It's not that far away. We're not that far from it. I'm, I'm talking about meetings so powerful that all the young people are having to get up and let the elders have their seats so they don't have to stand for a long time. And the Holy Ghost just starts moving in shifts. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the kind of move of God where there's manifestations of the glory of God. We've had two, two witnesses on recent occasions in this church that have seen the manifested glory of God in a haze in this church. Yeah. Brother Dan, we're not beyond that, brother. We're just getting to it. We're at a place right now where the gifts are going to flow so freely. You know what happens when we get to a certain place? We choke it out because we want to control it. I'm saying, Holy Ghost, send it. Send your rain. Send your power. Send your fire. Oh, God, let it consume us. Let me tell you how to take care of adultery. Let me tell you how to take care of divorce. You keep the prayer room hot, and people will be faithful to their wife. You keep the prayer room hot, and people will be faithful in their marriage. When, when you're in deep prayer and heaven moves of God, you don't have to worry about people getting set down out of the choir. All they want is more of God. All they want is more of his presence. I don't remember. I don't remember if it, if it was in Norway or if it was in... Uh, Frankfurt the other night, may have been both, I don't know, but Brother Bounds was talking about the little country church he was raised in in coal country in West Virginia. He said, little bitty country church, you know. He said, you walked in this little lobby, my dad's preaching 500 churches just like this. You walk in this little tiny deal and there's a bathroom on this side and a bathroom on this side and then a little closet and you go into the sanctuary. Brother Bounds said he was a little kid. He said that, that door that was next to the bathroom, I think he said the men's bathroom on that right side, he said he's a little kid. Brother Frank, he said, little kid, I opened up that door to see what was in there. He said the whole room was just full of crutches, walkers, wheelchairs. I got to preaching one night and I said, God's going to give us blind eyes open. We're going to see the dead raised. We're going to see the lame walk. And the Holy Ghost checked me and said, any blind people in here tonight? Oh, no, sir. He said, any deaf people in here tonight? I said, no, God. He said, how many wheelchairs you see in here tonight? I said, well, I don't guess there's any in here. He said, then how am I going to work? But we'll go to a packed out conference and preach. You must receive the Holy Ghost to 2,000 people that have the Holy Ghost. Oh, God. And I was doing so good earlier. Something. Something's got to happen. We can't, we can't stay here. We can't stay where we are. But the Bible said he got a hold of that mantle. Something got a hold of him. I don't know what it looked like, but, but I, I have a feeling. When that old boy was walking behind that, that plow, and the man of God didn't stop and have a conversation with him, he just, I would say he just threw the mantle on him. I don't believe he just kept on plowing with it. I believe it when it hit him, he went to the ground. He said, I never felt anything quite like that. 
stood up and pulled off and looked at it and then saw the prophet of God walking off and said, Hey! Come here. Elijah turned around and looked at him. He said, Come here! Tell me what this is. Tell me what I'm feeling. Young people, listen to me. We don't need to be chasing after anything new. We don't need to be chasing after any new mantles. God's not going to wait till 2023 to give a new recipe for revival. We need to be looking at old prophets and old mantles and old revival. How do we get there? He said, what, 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 what was that? What, what, was that? what was that that I felt? Listen, folks, I'm going to mess with you right here, but I'm not going to leave the book. This boy had his future prepared for him. His mother and daddy had a farm, and he was going to get all the animals, and he was going to get the plows, and he he was going to inherit the farm. He was about his father's business when the mantle came. But what he felt in that mantle was so powerful that he said, I don't care what my future looks like and what I had predetermined. You know what I'm praying? Oh, God. I'm praying that some of you boys that wanted to be a dentist or you wanted to be a doctor, I'm praying God gets something on you so heavy that when you go to sleep at night, all you dream about is preaching the gospel. I want something to get on us. I want something to get on you young boys and young ladies that you wake up in the middle of the night speaking in other tongues because you were having a prayer meeting in your dreams. <laughs> I, want, I want to see it. I want to see it. There was something in that mantle that was so heavy on him that the prophet of the Lord looked at him. He said, if you, if you want this, you can follow after me. He said, but you got a choice to make, son. It's either going to be cows and plows or mantles and miracles. Do you, want, do you want to be sure that your future is secured with the family farm? Or do you want to live the kind of life that fire is going to come down and consume burnt sacrifices in front of false prophets? How long's it been since we've had a generation that'll just stay in the fight till the fire falls? Sometimes I wonder how much competition the fire's got in the modern day church. Fire can't consume us because we're already consumed. We're consumed with Hollywood and we're consumed with sports and we're consumed, all, we're just consumed, our life's consumed with work. And, and, and God's brushed mantles on us and we were so busy we didn't even feel it. He said, Son, He said, if you want this, you're going to have to forsake everything you've got. And you're going to have to come after me. He said, let me go kiss my mother and dad. The Bible said that he went to his mother and dad and he gave him a kiss. And he said, now listen. I'm going to show you something I'm about to do right here. Now this is in your Bible. This ain't the King James Version, but it's in your Bible. You can go read it for yourself. He said, sir, I'm going to have to burn. I'm going to have to burn these cows and plows. What? Yes, sir. Because ministry is tough. And revival is heavy. And if I leave these cows and plows here, the first time I get crossways with you, I'm going to come back to something that's easier. He says, so I'm going to burn these plows, and I'm going to burn these cows, and I'm leaving nothing to come back to. Some of us need to get a mantle on us that's so heavy that we don't ever come back to what we are. We don't ever want to come back to where we've been. We don't ever want to come back to what we knew. I'm praying that God pours it out in this church and that God pours it out in this generation and that God pours it out in this nation. God, let it get on us. I must hurry. I must hurry. I'm not even close to where I'm going. I got to take a shortcut. But whatever it was that he felt in that mantle, It was so powerful 
that every time Elijah would try to get him to stay behind, he'd say, no, sir. <laughs> he said, you, you, you just stay right here at Gilgal. He said, no way. I'm not going to stay here. He said, look, look, look. I got to go to Jericho. You stay here. He said, no, sir. As the Lord lives and as my soul lives, you won't go there without me. I'm staying with you. He got to Jericho. He said, hey, you stay right here. He said, no, sir, as the Lord lives and as our soul lives, you're not going to get rid of me, sir. Because what got on me in that one moment, people say it can't happen in one service. I'm saying it can. That decision was made in that boy's mind with one encounter with the mantle and the man of God. One. And he said, sir, I'm going to tie myself to you. Come here, Eli. He said, I'm going to tie myself to you. You, you, you just go ahead and walk, son. Just walk. Just, you just go ahead and walk. He said, I'm going to tie myself to you. And if you go right, I'm going to go right. And if you go left, I'm going to go left. Whatever you do, I'm going to walk with you. And I'm not going to let you go. Get used to this feeling, Eli. You're going to lead a lot of young men in your lifetime. He said, Lord, wherever this man goes, I'm going to go. Whatever he does, I'm going to do. Because something got on me the day he threw that mantle on me. And I don't plan on turning it loose. If he walks through a fiery trial, I'll walk through the trial with him. But I'm not going to turn him loose. I pray tonight that something will get a hold of y'all in this meeting tonight that's so powerful that you will not turn loose of what God is doing in your generation. We're not waiting on God. We're not waiting on God. It's here. I had such a good sermon. I wanted to finish tonight, but I'm going to let God do what he wants to do. You know the gist of what I'm preaching and what it took to get us here is what it's going to take to get us there, but we can't stay here. We're going to have to grab a hold of that same mantle that got on us, and we're going to have to cross the river the same way we got here. I'm praying in the name of Jesus that fire falls in this tabernacle tonight. God, let it rest on this church in the mighty name of Jesus from the oldest to the youngest. <laughs> Come on, I don't care if I finish this sermon tonight. I want the Holy Ghost to speak in this room right now. We need you elders. We need you elders. We need you young people. Oh, we got to have you. We need every man, every woman, and every child on board. We need to have revival. If you've been cold in your spirit, we need you to come up by the Holy Ghost fire tonight and pray back through in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> 